Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast they call The Fantastival. I'm Steve Nussbaum, and this is a podcast where I invite my friends to collate their fantasy festivals, which I christened a fantastival by picking five acts from any era, any genre, and one act which must play one of their studio albums in full, and for the grand finale, perform an encore in which all five acts perform the final song of The Fantastival together, which can be any song ever recorded. And I'm delighted to introduce my guest on this fantastical podcast, my bestest friend, my brother from another mother, a gig buddy. He's been in my friendship tripod, my friendship quad pod, and now he's part of my fantastical pod. It's Mr. Andy Myers. I'm never going to get another intro like that in my life. <laughs> that was an unbelievable intro. Welcome. Straight back at Welcome. you, Welcome. Mate, what to the Fantastical Podcast. How are you on this lovely bank holiday Monday evening? Very good, mate. Yeah? Honoured to be on this. Yeah. Um, I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, I've been out in the sun a bit too much. Got a little bit crisp this afternoon, sitting out on the fields of Upminster. A um, little bit of a red nose, a bit closer to the sun than the rest. So, uh, yeah, a little bit torched. <laughs> but good, relaxed, chilled. And As you know, this podcast is all about your fantasy festival, all about your music choices. So, without giving too much away... At the beginning of the podcast, music-wise, what are you into? Well, I think it's like really annoying when people talk about, sometimes when they talk about what music they're into, and they're into a lot of different type of music, and they can sort of disappear into themselves talking about it. So I try not to do that. But obviously, I love rock stuff um, from an early age. You know, I've been very lucky, really, in terms of in my family and my friendship group, people like yourself, you know, a lot of people who are really into music and from a very early age, brought into it you know my dad even had like a another set of speakers in the bathroom the b speakers <laughs> that when i was a little kid he could put on music while i was in the bath and he would play all the like the, the best rock stuff to me got me into so many bands but at this stage really i'm so i'm into rock stuff pretty heavily i also like a lot of film score stuff i like electronic um and i still discover a lot of new artists you know all the time they say you stop discovering new music in your early 30s but I don't know who half the artists are. I find them on Spotify and I hardly ever remember their name. You know, I find them on the sort of discover function there, but still discovering new music now. And I do like a pretty eclectic list of stuff. Hopefully someone will come through on this. Um, yeah, but that's really So what, what are you currently listening to? What's currently on your playlist? Again, without giving away a spoiler or two, what, what's currently on, on Spotify for you at the moment? On Spotify at the moment, I'm into a band. There's a band actually called Sunset Suns, who I'm really into. Um, they're like a band that if they'd been about like circa 1998, we all would have been mad for them. Whereas now they kind of pass, pass people by. Okay. Um, so I've been playing them a lot. Um, and I'm also into just a lot of a lot of film score stuff these days. A lot of the new stuff I listen to is, is film scores and just a lots of little individual sort of individual artists, I suppose, really, that pop up on my Discover Weekly and I'd add the track, I like it, and just grow it out from there. And then I'm still going over all the classic stuff, but I won't, won't say too much, I won't give too much away. Perfect, perfect. So let me take you back to when you was a young boy around about the mid-80s, late 80s, and you go into that record store and you buy your first record. What was the first record you ever bought? So we've had, I think Paul said Our Price Barking Side, and I think Neil said Our Price Barking Side as well. Do you remember your first music purchase? Yeah, I don't think it was our price. Was, was, I think it was called Trump's. Do you remember Trump's? I think Trump's may have overtaken our price. May have bought our price. Oh, was it? I can't remember. I know it was, yeah. So obviously our price was a regular. And I think this question is like, if we're all honest, 
there's two answers in your head. There's the truth and like a cool <laughs> answer. Do you know what I mean? So like, I like, I'm starting to think of all the cool answers, but the truth is uh, seven inch vinyl of uh, Do the Bart Man by uh, Bart Simpson. Amazing. Which, well, it's not. I'm terrible. I really thought of just actually ditching that, but I've gone with honesty because that's you know, <laughs> what I'm all about. I think I've got the same one upstairs. I think it's got like a purple cover. And the B-side is um, was off The Simpsons Sings of the Blues, but I can't remember what track it was. And yeah. They brought out many, many moons ago. All right, so we, fig- we figured out you're going to be honest in your, in your <laughs> answers tonight, which I like very, very much. What was the first festival that you went to? Um, it was with your good self, and it was B98, um, which is still, I think, probably one of the best festivals I've been to. Obviously, it was my first one. There's a great crowd of us lads that went... The, the lineup was unbelievable, really, in terms of it's a lineup you would never get now. You know, you had Green Day, The Verve, um, you know, Seahorses, who we were really into at the time. You know, we got absolutely pelted with empty bottles waiting for them to come on, you'll probably remember. Um, and it was just a great festival. And it was also a festival where I think for the first time I saw a lot of acts I'd never seen before and got into them off the back of that. You know, seeing bands for the first time, liking the stuff live, and then. There's this band called the Montrose Avenue. Do you remember them? Yeah, I remember Montrose Avenue, yeah. I remember being stood watching with you, like, and just thinking straight away, these guys are amazing. Like, Harmony is a good rock band. Got the album immediately. I'm like, these guys are going to be massive. And if you look them up on YouTube now, it's the only place you can find their album. There's one comment underneath it. It just says, what a waste. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a great festival. Um, yeah, that was my first one. It's funny you mentioned that festival because I was... Uh, messaging um, a friend Mike about that today because we were talking about the Fantastival and he said his first ever gig was Green Day in Brixton and I said I've only seen Green Day once they were playing before the Seahorses and the Verve at a music festival which in today's world is absolutely (laughs) unthinkable that they would ever be on before the Seahorses at a music festival but to be fair it was 22 years ago my god we're so old (laughs) It's amazing. Now, I know there have been many that we've been to together. And again, no spoilers. The last kind of question on your musical history um, is what is, if you have one, your favourite gig? Oh, man. I didn't know you were going to ask that. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's something we love to do, right? I've been to so many with you. I mean, you are point blank the best person to go to a gig with. I know that. Um, and we've been to some great ones. Um, I'm trying to think. Um the best gig I've ever been to. Or one that, it doesn't necessarily have to be the best, but one that just like sticks out for maybe another memory that might not necessarily be the best one. Yeah, I think, I think probably if I had to choose um, Prodigy, I saw them at, uh, at the Forum, 1997. Fat of the Land had come out that week. Um, I'd never been to a gig that loud in my life. I mean, my ears ring were ringing for about two weeks. People were like just crowds of going mental. The energy of that gig and that album that you know is still still holds up now. And that album brings together so many things I love about music. You know, it's got guitars. It's got I love like beats and break beats like that. I love that kind of sound. The energy is like, I never heard anything like it. And just walking in and like they came out, they opened up and smacked my bitch up. And it just when that dropped, the place just went off. And I think I'd never experienced that energy like that alive. I've been to gigs you know, a bit younger, I'll talk about some of that when I talk about who I picked, but yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, we, we spoke about the Prodigy with 
Neil last week when we were talking about Nebworth and again being a cracking live act and I've been lucky enough to see the prodigy next to you not at that forum gig but we saw him at Brixton and I remember when they were doing the sound check the bass just like shook my bones and <laughs> <laughs> thinking this is going to be a really really loud gig so those were memories of Andy Myers musical early years and favorite experiences so the aim of the fantastical podcast is getting our guests to collate their fantasy festival by choosing any five acts one of whom must play one of their studio albums in full and then perform an encore in which all five acts do one song at the end of the festival all together so five acts five time slots so for example in the last episode of the fantastical podcast neil slotnick chose his fantastical as follows so from two till three o'clock he put on Little Dicky, and I must confess, I don't know if you've seen it, Andy, but I've started watching Dave off the back of Neil's recommendation. And after three episodes in, it is one of the best TV shows I think I've seen <laughs> in a long time. So thank you, Mr. Slotnick, for those recommendations. From half past three to half four, Neil shows a basic channel. From five to six in the midway master slot, Neil picked Underground Resistance, and he picked their studio album as well, Interstellar Fugitives. And then in the pre-headline slot, Neil picked kamikaze who was an ex-footballer turned grime artist kamikaze and again we've had some great success on twitter this week as we actually got retweeted by kamikaze so thank you to kamikaze for retweeting us and in, in neil's headline slot from 8 30 to 11 he picked the rumford duo of underworld and he also picked one of their tracks for his encore dark and long the dark train remix and again thank you to everyone who's kind of fed back through messages or tweets about going into Neil's catalogue of choices and Paul's and listening to what has been recommended. So that is essentially how a fantastical works. Very easy, very simple, but not that easy to choose, as I'm sure Andy's going to tell us about very shortly. But as we always do, let's start with the name of your fantastical. Yeah, I mean, I really struggled with this. I mean, um, I was driving my girlfriend mad with it earlier. I think that, you know, we sounded like, you know, on The Apprentice, and they're trying to pick their team name and you're watching it and you're just thinking, this some guy said, oh, I'll be team leader. And then you're watching the talk and you just want to throw something at the TV. It was that kind of conversation. Uh, I don't know why I found this so hard, but we were then, we we're walking through Upminster and in Upminster, they have We Are Festival, which you may or may not be familiar with. If you're our age, you may not be because, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, the young'uns come and trash Upminster High Street. It goes to the aerodrome and it's like loads of banging current dance music, dance music plus Carl Cox or whatever. Um, so I don't know, this kind of follows on to a later point. It won't make sense now, but I've gone with the We Were Festival. Um, we Were, I like it. Yeah. The we Were Festival, brilliant. And as you know, you can put on your We Were Festival any place in the world, front room, back room, a small gig venue like Shepherd's Bush, a huge venue like Hyde Park, Wembley Stadium, people aren't anywhere in the world. Paul had his in Hyde Park. Neil actually went abroad for his. We went to Chernobyl under the Dugar radar, which was a great experience. And again, a, <laughs> a phenomenal place really that I'd never heard of up until this point uh, in my lifetime. So, Mr. Myers, where, where are we holding the We Were Festival? I mean, for sound and great memories, and just a place where probably I've had the best time with you and the guys and seeing some of the best acts, I'd have to say Brixton Academy because I'd think it's probably one of the best in London to, to see a live act. But I'm going to go actually with... You know, you've been to the festivals. If it's, if it's really a true festival set up, we're going for. And I'm going to need quite a big stage for what I'm talking about, which we'll come to. 
Um, the worst thing about when the festival ends is like getting home, isn't it? You know, you're getting in the car and like, you're queuing up and, you know, it takes hours. You, you, I can think a lot of time us guys were stuck in cars trying to get home. So I'm actually going to go to Upminster Aerodrome because it's, uh, it's a 10 minute walk home. <laughs> you know, when you're caked in, you know, beer and you just want to get home and burn all your clothes in the bin and get in the shower. It's a 10 minute walk <laughs> for me. So at my age, you need to think about these things. So I'm going for pure convenience, Upminster Aerodrome. I love it. That's quite close for me. That's about a 40 minute drive for me. So I may, I'll take that yeah. all day long and you get on the district line and the C2C. So good transport links, a lot of taxis around the area. Yeah. And also, well, you can crash. Obviously you'll be crashing at mine. I'm sure once we listen to all that music together, one thing will lead to another, but also beforehand, um, you've got Abigail's cafe. So you can get a dirty fry up before you go, get a gut buster before you go in, you're set for the day. Mate, Upminster's got it all. A great choice, great name, a great venue. Before we go to your five choices, Neil last week listed 41 acts who didn't make his fantastical. So you can see the kind of conundrums that people have when selecting their fantasticals. How difficult uh, was it for you to get it down just to five acts? And is there any kind of artists that you want to highlight who just haven't made the cut for you? Yeah, I mean, it's a ridiculous process um, in terms of if you're into music as, as we all are, you know, it's just kind of impossible really. And I've had to base it on, you know, people that I would really want to see live, um, that, that I think would just be an unbelievable lineup, but it's not necessarily including everybody that I think is brilliant live, you know, most of the, but people like Jesse Marlin, yeah, he was someone I really wanted to have that opening slot. I thought I could just imagine Jesse coming out. People don't know him. He's a singer mm. from New York. He did a duet with Springsteen, first of all, which is a great track called Broken Radio and got into him several years ago. Steve and I have seen him several times, 10 plus, I think. Um, he's always good value live. He's got great songs. He's a great raconteur. So he, he's a great lineup, but didn't make the cut. We mentioned uh, The Prodigy. Um, Neil actually had a hand in getting me into The Prodigy. He lent me his experience LP when we were young. Um, I was already getting into them, but he lent me that and it just blew my mind. I've seen them eight times, a couple of times with you, Steve. I saw their homecoming gig in Essex at the Cliffs Pavilion, which was unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, they're an amazing live act. Um, and even now, so like with Keith Flint no longer being with us, thought bringing that back together is a really big thing, but they didn't make the cut. Oh, well, I was, I've had people asking me, who do you think Andy's <laughs> going to pick? And I, all day I said, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure one will be the prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> So the fact they're not in there intrigues me because I know how much you admire and love the prodigy. So I can't wait to hear who has made the cut. Sorry, who, who else? Who, who else hasn't made the cut? Who you? Were about yeah, I mean this one. Don't disconnect me. Uh, the boss Springsteen has not made the cut, and I think obviously I've seen him. I think about six times. They're all with you. I mean he is um, probably one of the best live acts I've ever seen. Um, and he plays for three hours plus every time. It's it's even if you don't know all the stuff, which I don't, I don't have the kind of knowledge that you and some of the guys have on him. But it's always such an amazing day out, and he's probably one of the ultimate sort of live show and the band as well, all incredible. So I do love him, but for reasons in terms of forming my fantastical, he just didn't didn't quite make it. Um, but he is obviously incredible. Um, other than that, I've also got some sort of leaning on that film music thing, someone like John Williams, you know, who did all of the, back when he came out of the cinema and like all the themes, the things you could remember, like Indiana Jones and Star Wars and Superman, he did all that stuff, you know, 
he's been touring actually he's like mid 80s um he's still touring with an orchestra doing all that live but i've never seen it he's someone i'd like to see who i've never seen but but didn't quite make it but yeah he makes film music that isn't made anymore if you go see like fast and the furious nine you don't come out like whistling the theme you know it's just loads of beats <laughs> and growling like bass and stuff you know there's not really that kind of thing anymore thomas newman is another one he did shawshank redemption sky for american beauty he's amazing um and if you get back into the rock band side of things, ACDC, I only saw them once and not with the proper front man. He had the, you know, problems with his ears. So we saw Axel as the vocalist from Guns N' Roses at the Olympic Stadium. It was an amazing gig, also very loud. Soloing, getting like elevated on a platform. It was me, you and my dad. That was, that was an amazing gig. Um, Uncle, someone that actually I think Neil in the previous episode kind of mentioned in DJ Shadow. They got a great crossover of beats and orchestral. Um, and lots of other sort of big bands, big arena bands who I've seen who are great. U2, I saw for the first time with Richie actually a couple of summers ago. They surprised me how amazing a show they put on. Obviously, Bono's ego is bigger than any stadium, but they 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 kind of almost earn it with how good they are live. Blackstone Cherry, <clears throat> they're a great sort of classic American sounding rock band. They've done two volumes of blues covers, really rocked up. I love them. They're supposed to play Albert Hall in October. I don't know whether that, that will happen. On the blues note, who's about 84. I've seen him twice. My dad and my brother, he is one years of the blues from Chicago. He puts on an amazing show. He's got a great band. I don't know where he gets his energy from, but if you want to learn anything about you know the blues and, and, and sort of get into that sound, he's amazing. Um, other big like arena bands like Def Leppard, seen them a number of times. They're amazing. The Foos, Foo Fighters. Um, and Coldplay, like of an era, like you know, now when I listen to Coldplay, I, I don't, I never really hear anything from them. That whole kind of like bed wetty thing they've got, they've really started to like live up to that in terms of they've lost that real like putting together quality material. But when Rush of Blood of Heads came out, Rush of Blood of Heads came out, we went and saw them. You know, the set list then was so good, they're at their absolute peak. It was proper alternative, good rock songwriting. Um, and seeing them on that tour was amazing. So I, I still think that that stuff is great. Their latter stuff, less so, so they don't make it. Um, I'm really going on too long. It could be like a whole sub-podcast. Um, and then there's a few that I've... Mate, there's no time limit on the Fantastic <laughs> Awards. So I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying your choices. I thought... I didn't think about Coldplay, but I should have done for you. I didn't register with Coldplay. I thought Foos might... I thought you might pick yeah. Foos. Yeah, I mean... The live show is so good. Dave Grohl, again, is up there as one of the ultimate frontmen. They're all good. Um, but he, they put on yeah. such a show and they'll come out and they'll rattle off like six absolutely amazing songs back to back without a gap. A few burps between a couple of songs, I think, whatever crazy stuff he's doing. And then, you know, it just gets the crowd jumping so quickly. Um, and I don't know that you've got a lot of that anymore with newer acts, newer bands. You know, these, these names I'm mentioning, maybe I'm just getting really old and it's like, we're just getting to that age now where we talk about stuff and nothing's mm -hmm. as good anymore. But who are the big bands now coming out who can get an arena jumping like that and got that kind of any I don't think it's I don't think it really exists, unfortunately. Um, you know, and these guys are still trying to get into their fifties, these guys, and they're still the best in the business at, at that stuff. So the foods are amazing, but but didn't make it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Is there everyone who you wanted to mention? I feel like there was more that I cut you off are you happy with it all the acts that you've listed who just haven't a couple made of, it you know it's weird some of the people i haven't mentioned as well i was thinking about 
what you and the guys will say to me that they can't believe I didn't mention it. So, but I mean, just a couple of other things I'll say is that there's a couple of people I've never seen who I would have liked to have seen. Queen with Freddie Mercury almost made it because I think Queen are obviously outstanding. I won't, I mean, Adam Lambert sings them now. He's a fantastic vocalist, but I don't, you know, for me, Queen has to have Freddie Mercury. So Queen and Freddie Mercury would be on my list because we kind of missed that boat. We're just a bit too young. Um, I'd have loved to have seen that. Rage Against the Machine. I've never seen them. Um, I missed them when they came to Finsbury Park. It was like some, you had to apply for like a, a lottery, didn't get the tickets. I'd love mm-hmm. to have seen them. Uh, Albert King, he's a long departed blues player. I, I love his stuff. Um, I think the only one I didn't mention actually on the normal, two I didn't mention on the normal list are Oasis. Seen them a few times. You know, when Liam can be bothered and isn't singing like Mr. Bean, um, they're really good. We saw them in Spain, in Menorca at a festival. And it's like the best performance I've seen them do. He actually came out. He really tried. Um, so they're amazing. And Nine Inch Nails, who are a band you kind of cross. When people say Nine Inch Nails, they think of really heavy thrashing metal and they're not going to like it. They're an amazing live band. You know, they wrote Hurt, which was covered by Johnny Cash. A lot of people know that song. They've got, as a live act, they're amazing. And, and Trent Reznor, the front man, he's now a composer. He did the music for The Social Network. And I've seen them twice. Um, they're amazing. I'd love to see them again. And they almost made it also. I'm glad you mentioned that Oasis gig because I remember being in Megaloop with you um, at the time and it didn't really feel <laughs> real. At a time when foreign festivals hadn't really taken off and we didn't even know it was happening until we got to Megaloop and we saw some posters around the town centre and then we rocked up to like a, a sand pit park, do you remember? And it was a soundtrack of our lives who were a Swedish band and their vocalist was a big, big guy, massive beard. Yeah. Um, and they were pretty decent. And in Terrible. Mercury Rev, who tuned up their own <laughs> instruments, which I found absolutely <laughs> bonkers. And it was about one in the morning and nobody was there. It was us and about 10 other kids. And in, in the space of 20 minutes, the whole place filled up. And it was only about, I, it must have been 4,000, I'd say, tops. One more than that. And Oasis came out and smashed it out of the park. And I think that was Don't Believe the Truth album. So they played Lila and all that album. And I must say, that did kind of reconnect my love for Oasis. Because having seen them at Wembley Stadium a few years yeah. earlier, which was probably one of the worst gigs <laughs> I've ever been to, yeah. um, that was much, much needed. And obviously, we saw Noel Gallagher um, last year at the London Palladium. We were lucky enough to get tickets for that show. And again, that was another one where you look back and you go, how many hits has Noel Gallagher actually written? It's pretty ridiculous, really, when you see him do almost two hours and every song is just an yeah. absolute classic. He's amazing. He but we have massively digressed there. Massively digressed. Lots of big acts, lots of variation in your choices, actually. I'm quite intrigued to see who we're gonna, who you're going to pick tonight for the We Were Festival. So I guess without further ado, the uh, Upminster Aerodrome is open. The sound has just gone down. It's two o'clock and it's time for your opening act to take the stage. Mr. Myers, who are your We Were? Well, this is the first band I saw at a proper rock show taken by my dad and with my cousin Simon. I was 12. I saw them at Wembley Arena. Um, I'd listened to them growing up, largely in the bath, as you heard earlier, um, and and beyond. And uh, they were um, and still are an amazing rock act. ZZ Top is my opening act. Um, yeah, they are, I think, you know, people sometimes have, you know, they'll say, oh, they're the guy with the beards or they're the guy, you know, a lot of people don't know them very well, but really they kind of pioneered a sound that even now, they're still touring now, well, into their late 60s. 
they've got a great sound. Uh, Billy Gibbons is a great, uh, great guitarist. And they got quite a unique sound, I think, really. And their Eliminator and Afterburner, two of their albums that came out back to back in the late eighties. Um, some of the first CDs, I remember my dad getting. You know, they still hold up now. The production, the sound is amazing, and they're a great live act. And I think they'd really get everyone really going really quick. It'll be a great opener, I think. That is a superb opening act. Like you said, Eliminator is a fantastic album. And like you said again, they've got that sound where. As soon as you hear the first kind of note from Billy Gibbons' guitar, you don't even need to ask who it is or wait for the DJ to say who it is. You just know that fuzzy, clean, heavy sound. That's that can only be one one band, right? That's you know that's yeah. the ZZ Top sound. Are we going for current day ZZ Top, or you, you want to throw it back to an eliminated phase? Or are we, are we seeing them as they are? Some of their last well. stuff is good. I think the only thing is, I think the, the last couple of times I've seen them, the live acts maybe not quite had the same the same edge. I mean, they are a three-piece band, but when you hear their stuff, there's a lot more going on. And they do work with a degree of you know, backtracking. And depending on who's doing the sound or what gig you go to, that works to a very varying degree. Uh, of success you know yeah so i think that era that i saw them they were touring the antenna album um and so it was like yeah an early 90s album which has some really good tracks on it they just done that uh double back for back to the future too um you know that's which is a really good song as well so to me that was and it was like hearing rock music that loud they came out i think to sharp dressed man it just kicked in and i just my little 12 year old ears didn't know what hit it, you know. So I'd probably go for early 90s ZZ Top. Wicked. Wicked. There's a great documentary that I think I've told you about on available on Sky Arts about kind of ZZ Top and their history and how they got started. And they weren't always that band with the beards. I don't think they even grew beards until, until they came back in the late 70s. And by this point, they were already like playing together for like 15 years. So they've definitely put the graft in. It wasn't like an overnight success story and it's not just a gimmick in those beards those guys as you said haven't seen them play live can really yeah really play and we've, we've been lucky enough to see them yeah quite a bit. definitely and if you and if you listen to like or read a lot of interviews with the guitarists a lot of them quote that billy gibbons is one of their favorites you know he's one one of the best you know i know jack white's a big fan of his a lot of people really rate him and i can see why it's so effortless when you see him he's like sauntering across the stage playing brilliant stuff you know it's effortless um so yeah really good Great first choice. A great opening at the air. I don't know if Upminster is ready for ZZ Top, but we certainly are. Uh, we were best of all. So they play from two till three o'clock. So half past three to 4.30, it's time for the super second slot. So who's taking the stage at the WeWork Festival? This is another really big band. Um, I think it's, uh, yeah. For me, this was like, uh, I got my Sony Walkman. Uh, you might remember the one like with the orange headphone, the fuzzy orange head, soft headphones. I got one of those for Christmas. I started secondary school. Um, you may be surprised to learn I wasn't in school, but I made friends with a really nice guy called Richard Turner. And he played guitar, which was like the coolest thing to me at the time. You know, I was a solid decade off even you know, speaking to a girl. I wasn't in, in the coolest place in my life. Um, and he said, you know, if you're into ZZ Top <laughs> and you're into that kind of sound, you'd love Guns N' Roses. And I was like, oh, aren't they like kind of really heavy band? They've been going a few years by now because I'm kind of talking early 90s, 1991. And he made me a tape of Appetite for Destruction. And I had one of those Walkmans that 
automatically turns over when you get to the end of the side and the battery used to run out I used yeah. to, and back in those days the battery around all like which was quite funny but back to back every day walking to school walking home um you know and it, it just sort of was that album to me appetite destruction i just couldn't believe how good it was and it really the sound of it the energy every song there's not a song in that album i don't love uh, it's 47 minutes or so it's not a long album but i just couldn't believe the sound of it basically i haven't heard anything like it and even now i just love listening to that album always through it's like the first day i heard it yeah it kind of opens up with welcome to the jungle doesn't it and then from there it just takes you on a journey through it so easy throughout the entire album and then you end up a sweet child of mine which i think is quite late on yes that's seventh in the or eighth, album, if i remember yeah. rightly yeah, and I mean, I've seen various guises of Guns N' Roses, but I haven't actually seen the original lineup. They're touring again now. Slash and Axel have made up. I first saw um, Guns N' Roses well, over 10 years ago when they were trying to get out this uh, Chinese Democracy album that had been forever being worked on by Axel. Axel's a great vocalist, but I think, you know, he's got um, some serious issues, I think, in one way or another. Um, he could be a bit of an idiot, but but he is a great vocalist and frontman, but I saw him at Wembley Arena, and it was he had this random mock lineup. He's still falling out with Slash on guitar, a guy called Buckethead on guitar, and um, the curfew at Wembley Arena is eleven o'clock, right? Um, at nine o'clock they hadn't come out. At ten o'clock there was like a slow clap going on, and at quarter to eleven they still hadn't come out, and everyone was booing, throwing stuff, and everyone was so unhappy. Anyway, he came out just before eleven. And his silhouette just appeared on the stage and he just went like, do you know where you are? You know, like, welcome to the jungle. And instantly everyone forgot the two hours of like, hey, wait, <laughs> all the pints went up in the air and it dropped. All these fireworks went off. They have a lot of pyrotechnics and stuff. And it just dropped in along to the jungle and everyone went bananas. And it finished at 20 past one and everyone was stranded in the middle of Wembley, no trains and no one cared at all because he just did, he did the whole appetite for destruction. He did all the hits, he did very little new stuff. And it was just hearing it live for the first time, having listened to it for all that year, all those years, it's just such a great rock show all out. And I think the thought of like ZZ Top opening, going into Guns N' Roses, and now with the original lineup with Slash, which I've never seen, would just be for me, it's like so much of what I love about music in there. Yeah, yeah, great call, great tracks, great, great choice. So quite a, a rock heavy mm. opening um, to the WeWork Festival, but yeah, I love. Love the GNR choice. Okay, so GNR are gonna play for an hour. That's a lot of uh, classics to cram in for both bands into their hour slots. But that's why it's a fantastic. So moving on then from your midway madness slot, which is gonna take place from five till six. So this is the midway, the middle act. So who are we who are we seeing at the We Were Festival for you, midway? Madness yeah, well, depending slot? on the time of year, I guess maybe it's getting a bit dusky around now. It's going to be like you've had a really good couple of hours, like rocking out the beginning. You've had some kind of disgusting bat, but the mayonnaise has turned a bit bad in the sun. You may not be feeling great washing that down with a beer. And you're waiting for, like, you know, the next act. And at this point, I am going to change the angle. And then and I'm going to start flouting the rules of Fantastical on, on episode three. But you'll be the judge anyway. But the next one is, is Hans Zimmer. Now, Hans Zimmer is obviously a film composer. He actually started out in the 70s. If you know Video Killed the Radio Star, which I'm sure most of your listeners will and you do he played synths on that and he moved to the uk he produced bands he was a synth player and he basically worked his way up in the ranks he composed the theme tune for going for gold do you remember that 
programs. <laughs> I do. So I do. You know, considering you mentioned <laughs> there to like the Dark Knight, it's slightly different. But um, he is also now a touring musician. He sells out arenas and he takes a full orchestra. He has Johnny Marr from the Smiths on guitar, two drummers, and he puts on this kind of symphonic rock film score crossover show. And he does, yeah, singers come out. He does music from Gladiator, the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Interstellar, Man of Steel. He does the Pirates of the Caribbean music. And he turns it into this kind of, it's film music, but he blends and, and sort of, I mean, he does this as an art, a composer for me anyway. He blurs the lines of electronic, orchestral, elements of rock and guitar. He plays guitar himself. He loves rock music. Um, so the sound of that live is like nothing you've really heard. Um, I've been with my brother um, to see him twice. He's he's outstanding. Um, and I think it would really bring something different. Um, and with him, he would bring a really big orchestra, which will also make sense of some of the things I've got afterwards. But probably, I know it's a bit of a curveball after all that rock, but it's the sound I love. And if I'm really putting together my fantasy festival, the thought of him coming on after those two rock acts and bringing the orchestra out and doing all that, that to me would be you know, incredible. Mate, this is your fantastical, Mr. Myers. So whatever you want, you get. You can have big <laughs> orchestras. You can have whatever you want. Don't you worry about that. Don't you apologise for that. And don't you worry about flaunting fantastical rules. We make them up <laughs> as we go along. So an, ama- an amazing first three acts. Upminster's going to have never, ever seen anything like this and never will see anything like this again. So we're leading on now. We're heading towards the conclusion of the We Were Festival. It's half past six. So this band, Let's Act, are going to play from 6.30 to 8 in your pre-headline slot. They're going to really warm the crowd up. So who who are you selecting for your pre-headline act? Right, so this act is not a band, but you'd have a band with them. It's Richard Ashcroft. Um, (laughs) I can't believe I didn't... Ashcroft didn't even oh, come on. To me, of I course. mean, just think of him coming out and then that whole oh thing he does for a mile away with the orchestra coming in, you know, you just that to me would be the ultimate. You know, he's probably an artist I've seen probably more than anyone. I think probably one of the most of anyway, eight, nine times, seen him a lot. Obviously with the Verve, he, you know, a bit of a cheat here, I guess, in the fact that obviously he's in the Verve. This is him as a solo artist, but he does the whole of, you know, the Verve's best stuff when you see him. I think he's an amazing singer-songwriter. He's a great live act. He's got a great vocal. He always puts on a good show. He knows how to put together a good set pretty much every time I've seen him. I've seen him with an orchestra at the Royal Albert Hall, which is amazing. Um, and he's got so many great tracks. And if I think about an artist I've seen and listened to more than ever, and also like who I think embodies a lot of what I love about music, lyrics, the, the way he approaches songwriting, the arrangements he puts on there, the blend of rock and orchestral, He's great, and he's just a great live act, and he could easily, for me, fill that hour and a half slot uh, with great material. So Richard Ashcroft is the man. And, like, you know, I've got great memories of seeing him with you and the guys. We've all seen him a lot. I think we all have quite a soft spot for Rich. He's good. I'm going to ask you, though, are we talking current-day Ashcroft, or are we talking Ashcroft of 10 years ago? Because you probably know this. I loved the verb... I really tried to get on board with Richard Ashcroft's solo stuff, and I really like this first solo album. And, and then since then, I've kind of read the interviews and the build-up, and Ashcroft tells me that every album is going to be, this is the one, this is the one I've been waiting for, this is the best I've ever written. And I come away 
not thinking it's a bad album, but slightly disappointed after kind of listening to his hype a little bit, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, he did an album, the album before last, it was like, take that album. I mean, not there's not anything wrong with take that, by the way, I quite like take that. But, but like, you know, you wouldn't expect from Richard Ashcroft, the way he talked about it, I was expecting, you know, like, the rolling people on, like, steroids or something, and it was literally him with a similar yeah. thing, like, string quartet singing. You know, it wasn't very good. And his last album was a bit more of that as well. I, I don't know what he was going, some Neil Diamond type sound that he was going for. And then at the end, he's got this, uh, I think it's called Money Money track, which has got a massive riff on it. It's really good live. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'd probably cut things off, like, the third, the third solo album. Um, you know, he's, it's sort of, um, yeah, that, that the most recently, there's nothing new that I really care about that much. Yeah, great choice. And I guess we could probably use Hans Zimmer's orchestra as well at points to bring them out. And you mentioned Uncle as well, who didn't make it. I guess we could also bring Uncle out and do a few Ashcroft tracks of Uncle because I know he sang on one or two amazing yeah. tracks. Uh, yeah, he did them. this track called Lonely Soul from the film The Beach, yeah, which is absolutely yeah. great. It's about nine minutes long and there's loads of that him. I'm not going to do it again, but it's loads of him doing that thing where he just holds some note from like a mile away and the strings are going and I just, I'm in my absolute <laughs> element. There's loads of that. And he also did a track with the Chemical Brothers um, called The Test, yeah. which is just got, and apparently the, the story behind that track, I think, is he literally came into the recording booth. They're like, this is how it goes. He put the cans on, the beat kicked in and he just started riffing these these lyrics and they just laid it down and um yeah i think he's brilliant that's incredible that's incredible so a great pre-headline act one of who we've seen headline numerous well a couple of festivals and numerous numerous gigs so ashcroft finishes at eight o'clock artminster is heaving the festival's been a huge success so far and now it's coming up to half past eight we've got two and a half hours for your headline acts looking at your first four acts, they all are amazing. So I can't wait to hear who your headline act is. So without any further ado, Mr. Myers, who's headlining the We Were Festival? Well, it's a bit of a, I don't know, it's a bit of an out there choice and whether this will change your opinion, but this is, it, it's all about me, isn't it? As you keep telling me, so this is something that I'd love to see. When I think of like, you know, yep. Terry and Gary from Upminster, you know, they've thought, you know, a bit of rock at the beginning, what's with Hans Zimmer about? Then they've gone to Richard Ashcroft, you know, it's probably a bit weird, but um, the act is Metallica, and it's the S&M uh, form of Metallica, which was a show they put on in San Francisco, two nights only, with a composer called Michael Kamen. And what he did was he created, you know, Michael Kamen composed music for X-Men, um, you know, Lethal Weapon. When you think of Lethal Weapon, he, he did a, a score for Lethal Weapon with Eric Clapton, you know, when uh, our favourite Zionist, you know, Mel Gibson's chasing cars, and you've got that mad guitar and strings going, that's Michael Kamen and, uh, and, and Eric Clapton. <clears throat> You know, um, so Michael Kamen is an amazing composer. Um, and then you've got uh, Metallica, who are a massive rock band. And they combine those two sounds to create this really massive, for me, it's kind of like the dream sound. It's taking everything I love from those early rock bands, everything I love from, you know, the scores and film scores of like Hans Zimmer uh, and combining it together. And it was, they never toured it. It's probably one of the best live CDs you ever listened to for quality. It's a double album. Um, hence why they need the longer slot. Um, but they do, they've actually done a, a redo of it last year, part two. Um, unfortunately, Michael Kamen passed away suddenly, not long after the recording of the first one. Tragically, not, not, not an old man, which is very sad. But if you haven't listened to it, and if you're thinking Metallica are just too heavy or whatever, you know, they've got a lot of great songs. Um, you know, 
Nothing Else Matters is a one that everyone knows a lot, a ballad they did. You know, just check that one track out, the open guitar at the beginning, and it goes in, all the orchestra coming in. Um, James Hetfield's voice, vocals are amazing. It's just such a, the energy of it, the sound of it is everything I love about music, to be honest, in, in one thing. So I never got to see it in San Francisco. I'm bringing it to Upminster. It's going to be great. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, you know, I'd seen Unplugs before on MTV. I'd seen pretty much all the Unplugs. And they always had an orchestra or something. But I remember watching, I think it might be Nothing Goes Matters for the first time on like MTV when they used to make music videos. And just like the sound, like the Metallica would, and this orchestra were generating together and the way it all kind of weaved together so well. Like one of the world's biggest metal bands with this orchestra which really on paper yeah. shouldn't work but then when you're watching it and listening to it it worked perfectly so a fan a fantastic choice so what what one of your five acts is going to play an album in four metallica going to do snm or are you going to have gnr do appetite for destruction i'm actually going to go you know it was a toss-up between appetite for destruction I'd probably go, I mean, he'd probably do all these anyway, so that's what makes it hard to choose. But with Ashcroft, I'd probably go for Urban yeah. Hymns because for an album that I played, again, so much, um, and also that it's got so many tracks that universally so many people like. You know, probably for me, it's got a couple of my best song, favourite songs of all time, lyrically, musically, everything. So I'm going to go with Urban Hymns, Ashcroft. I know it's a bit of a cheat because it was the Verb album, but he wrote the song, so is this permissible? Yes, absolutely for me. It's absolutely fine. And like the Urban Hymns, I mean, it opens with the with the strings to Bittersweet Symphony and kind of looking back, I think it's Sonnet, Rolling People. And then you've also got, I think Drugs Don't Work is track four um, or track five. And so four out of the first five are just absolute killers. And then it holds up, doesn't it? The quality of that Urban Hymns album doesn't really fade. I think I skip track six, Catching the Butterfly. And I think there's one at the end neon wilderness that i like to see. yeah <laughs> but apart from that, like it all holds up and then it ends with like come on yeah. and again ashcroft really yeah it's amazing just uh, i mean it's just... being ashcroft but phenomenal choice great album great great choices there so we have those so at the end of your fantastical as you know we have an encore where all five acts so zz top gnr hans zimmer Ashcroft, Metallica, all going to come out and perform one song to close the We Were Festival in Altminster. So, so don't keep us waiting any longer. What what song is your encore? Yeah, be? I mean you got all the guitarists there, kind of trying to out ego each other, I reckon, trying to solo over this. But, <laughs> but I mean, I think, and you have to excuse the repetition. My favourite song of all time, full stop, is Bittersweet Symphony. And when you see Ashcroft, he has a habit of sometimes doing that acoustically which is good, but everyone, you know, that they, the strings, which, you know, robbed him of his royalties for all those years because they were strings from a passage of, from a Rolling Stones track that we all know so well from the beginning of this week's symphony. He sometimes does the acoustic version. So I think when he comes out at uh, the We Were Festival, he does the acoustic version. Everyone's like a, a short version. Everyone's been like, oh, God, you know, the left hanging. And then for the encore, he comes back out with this roster of artists, the full hand Zimmer, orchestra and he finishes on bittersweet symphony with all these guys playing on it it's like a 20 minute version it just goes on and on and on um and basically it's just the most epic version of bittersweet symphony ever that's that's my thought 
Um, I did think about some other songs. I thought about doing Born to Run by Springsteen. You know, Springsteen wasn't there and then get them all to do that as a really rocking orchestral version. But I think I had yeah. to go with Bittersweet Symphony because it is just, yeah, my favourite song of all time. And with those guys playing on it, it would just be too good. I would love, I would love to hear that one day. Well, you never know. We might be able to get this going. This may be a goer. We can always tweet the bands and see if they're willing to do it for us in Elton stuff. You never know, my friend. So a quite remarkable um, list of acts. On your flyer for the We Were Festival, what one sentence would you use to sum up the festival? Yeah, I mean, I str- again, this was like the old apprentice think tank. I struggled with this. Um, Essex gets a bit of a bad rap, doesn't it? Like on TV and stuff like that, understandably in some regards. But a lot of my favourite people all come from Essex, yourself included, and me. And so... You know, hopefully this festival would help adjust some people's view on Essex. So I'm going to go with like deep Essex epic is the sort of with full stops in between, just to try and summarise the nature of the festival. That's the best I've got. I don't I don't love that, but it kind of hopefully summarises. It's in deep Essex. It's going to be epic. That's the idea. It certainly is. So let's go through your fantastical and make sure we are all happy. So the title of your fantastical is the We Were Festival. This is taking place in the Upminster Aerodrome. In the opening act, we're having ZZ Top. Super Seconds is GNR, Guns N' Roses. In the Midway Madness slot, we've got Hans Zimmer. In the pre-headline slot, we've got Richard Ashcroft. And then in the headline slot, we've got Metallica in their S&M form. The album being played in full will come from Ashcroft, and that will be Urban Hymns. And for the encore of the We Were Festival, it will be Bitter sweet symphony with all five acts performing that amazing what an absolute legendary festival andy myers are you happy with that as your, as your final choice before yeah we lock i could go to that festival and die the next day like a happy man yeah and you'll be home in 10 minutes so everyone can die absolute home. exactly amazing <laughs> brilliant brilliant so that is it and thank you for listening to the third episode of the Fantastical Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe. Give the Fantastical Podcast a review or follow on whichever platform you are listening on. And please remember to recommend this new podcast to all of your friends and your families. We are also on Twitter. So please make sure to follow us at Fantastical P. And you can also email us at fantasticalpodcast at outlook.com as I'd love to hear your feedback. Just a reminder, we can't play music on this podcast i would love to put little clips of the music in between because it would be so good but due to copyrights and podcasts you can't but if andy's spoken about anything that you want to listen to there's always spotify loads of streaming services youtube or if you want the real thing and get a physical copy please go to hv.com i'll give them a plug uh and buy any of those albums i'm sure they're not too expensive these days so a huge thank you to my third fantastical podcast friend the wonderful Andy Myers, Andy, thank you so much for collating that. I know from what you've been saying and your selections that you've given that a lot, a lot of thought. And that can't Definitely. be Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Stevie. Mate, absolute pleasure. So I'll be back soon with episode number four. So please make sure to join me. But until then, stay safe and alert my fantastical friends and spread the word. And that word is fantastical. <laughs>